Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about two simple ways. In fact, we're going to give them two very practical ways to talk about to talk to students about emotional intelligence. Yeah. This is something I remember being a, a topic at our house as early as uh, our kids were as young as 8 and 12 years old. So mm-hmm. it was way early. They got this term, and and I just had recognized it as such an important competency when they go out in their job search one day. So certainly reading, writing, arithmetic are important, but this became a topic at our home. And uh, it was never more clear to me than on a vacation we took. Okay. So um, it's just it's just a simple, simple idea. Maybe, listeners, you've all had the same experience, but uh, my family and I drove to Florida from Atlanta, Georgia. So it wasn't a long drive, but it was long enough that we needed to pack a bunch of stuff yep, yep. and drive for eight or nine hours. So uh, we're, we're packing the car, and by we, I mean me. <laughs> Uh, but um, that's the way it always goes. That's right. So we had our trunk and backseat completely packed out. I mean, it was suitcases. It was cosmetic bags for my wife and daughter. Did I mention cosmetic bags? Uh There was a couple of those. Yes. Uh, Video games, equipment, books, magazines, beach gear, you name it, because we were going to go to the beach. Uh, We crammed it all in the trunk and the backseat, like I just mentioned. And while it all fit... We faced two measurable consequences on that drive. Number one, it was not comfortable. I mean, there was no, you had to get outside to breathe. You know, it was just that full. So the discomfort of having a lot of bags made it not so fun. But then I noticed quickly, we were filling up the tank a bunch more than normal. Interesting. We got horrible gas mileage because of the weight in Uh that car. So nothing uh, uh, huge, but it just got me thinking during my vacation. If there wasn't a, pardon me, but a life lesson in this. Yeah. And it was just the, when we have baggage, you know, it just makes our journey a little bit more uncomfortable and we don't get as far and it's heavy and, you know, all those things. Absolutely. So um, anyway, three quick outcomes. One, it made our drive crowded and chaotic. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. Two, it made our travel slower and more difficult. And then three, it made our trip more expensive. And of course, everybody listening can go, yes, I totally get what you're saying, the baggage that we carry in our lives. And so um, I just realized we've got to really drill down on making sure that we're emotionally healthy as a family. And then, of course, this turned into, you know, curriculum and so forth that we get to use today. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that story, and I love that while this is happening to you, your mind is going as you're watching You know, the gas tank empty yeah, a little yeah. faster than you might normally expect, and, and it turns eventually because of the way you're thinking about it into a metaphor that actually yeah. teaches the importance <clears throat> of one of these elements yeah. of emotional intelligence. And this is exactly what we want to do today, is actually utilize metaphors uh, that we can maybe put in our tool belt mm-hmm. in order to have conversations with students in a way that they're going to understand emotional intelligence at a whole nother level. Yeah, absolutely. So you know this, Andrew, but October is Emotional Intelligence Month. So yeah. we're positioning this podcast, I, I, I hope, in a timely way. I'd just like to encourage every listener, if you don't already, to really be reflecting on this incredible competency that I think just makes people not only better family members, better human beings, but also better workers on the job, better leaders on the job, better teammates on a team. Um, it's just it's just paramount. And for us to only focus 
on hard skills instead of just instead of soft skills just makes us incomplete at best absolutely so, yeah. absolutely and and the reality is is like it's it's a little bit uh, maybe silly to say we're going to focus for a whole month on emotional intelligence but the reality is is this is such an important topic that it's uh, important that we take time every year and go yeah. are we doing the best job that we can yeah. to have this conversation are we focusing on this on this issue enough and where i would say there's probably several communities several families sitting around the dinner table that are focusing on this really well mm-hmm. But I know this isn't true for everybody. In no. fact, if you're an educator out there, you've probably got a wide range of emotional intelligence yes. in Levels. your classroom, yeah. whether that's yeah. virtual or in person. And that's why this is such uh, an important conversation for us to have. I actually wish schools made this a requirement, just mm. like arithmetic is, just like math, Yeah. To, to say, we dare not let you out of your educational journey here without learning these very important skills that will enable you to resolve conflict, read others as you interact with them, read yourself, become self-aware, uh, empathize with others that are maybe very, very different from you. This is just paramount. As you look around the world today, everybody, won't those be skills that you would be nice to have even in Washington, D.C.? Come on. Yeah. So maybe um, especially in yeah yeah maybe, maybe so but that's another podcast for <laughs> another time. It is, so Andrew, it is. real quick, give us some definitions in yeah. case somebody's listening and going, yeah, I think I know what emotional intelligence is, but no, I'm not sure. Yeah, let me summarize it really quickly. Uh, basically, emotional intelligence is the management of one's emotions. Uh, it enables you, if you've managed your emotions well, uh, to interact wisely due to self leadership. But it's also the capacity to effectively negotiate complex social relationships and environments as well, right? Somebody who has emotional intelligence is effectively managing themselves really well and regulating their own emotions, but also being able to read and lead other people really well, too. In fact, we've sort of developed a a moniker on this. Emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence is about reading yourself and reading others. Yeah. Uh, In fact, it's a little bit of a form of literacy, which we want to talk about and, and make a case for in future podcast, but this is why this is so important. Do students have the ability to read themselves and go, huh, something's off today. I feel a way and I need to figure out what the language is for this way that I'm feeling right now. And do they have the ability to read a situation and go, I think she's upset over there. How could I respond in a way that might be uh, helpful to that person? And that's why these things are so important. Yeah. So I'm smiling, Andrew, because I'm thinking of an interaction. So at a tech school where the kids are basically... um, you know, learning technology. Yeah. Um, I was talking to an administrator, and we were talking about the fact that very often somebody that's highly intelligent with a high IQ mm-hmm. might not have some of these emotional intelligence skills along that way. They've leaned so hard on their academic prowess that they never perhaps developed some of the other. Their GPA was so high they didn't need to do anything else. And uh, one statement they came up with. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. I'm just talking. We were talking about, you know, the females who were looking for, you know, guys to date and maybe go out with, but it was just hard to find one that was relational, you know. And the phrase came up, you know, for, for the girls here, the uh, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. You know, that's that's just how it was. So anyway, I, this is what happens when a yeah, that's right, and it doesn't have to be this way. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today. In fact, um, we're going to use two metaphors. 
if you've been listening to this podcast for very long, you've heard us talk about mm. habitudes. Habitudes are images that form leadership, habits, and attitudes. And we want to give you two of these metaphors, uh, one that's going to teach more about the uh, reading yourself and another one that's going to teach a little bit more about reading others that could just be, like I said, tools that you could put in your tool belt, utilize uh, with students, and we'll talk about how you might utilize that um, in the future. But uh, you actually, the story that you told is a part of that yeah. first habitude we want to talk about today. So can you talk to us about the the lesson you put together after that experience? Yeah, it was the inspiration for this image. So uh, for you that are new to habitudes, habitudes are images that we use to t- teach life skills, uh, social and emotional learning, EQ. Yes. Uh, and this particular image was simply called baggage fees. So on our trip, we quickly saw uh, that while most cars have trunks uh, where we store baggage, that trunk can only fit so much. Yeah. We, we crammed so much in, we realized that we actually had far too much baggage, just like we can in life. And in fact, if you think about it, Andrew, you and I fly a lot yeah. uh, uh, in airplanes, which is usually how I fly. Yes. But um, <laughs> you, know, you get charged for bags. Yeah. Unless you reach a status that you can get free bags you know, uh, taken with you. you, you have to pay money. And so it is. There are fees attached to baggage emotionally, as well as when you fly on an airplane. So this image is all about a discussion to have with students where you talk over, is there some baggage that you're carrying around with you that really it'd be best to get rid of? It'd be yeah. best to process, maybe with a counselor or a, 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 a wise parent, but to somehow work your way through it so you're not just carrying around your whole life and you have to apologize all the time for the quirky things or maybe the unhealthy uh, words that you that you express that really are unnecessary. Absolutely. Well, one of the great things about this habitude, in fact, m- many of the habitudes and, and lots of skills around emotional intelligence is there's really fascinating studies that show what the yeah. cost actually mm-hmm. is. What are the fees? And uh, I think you're about to tell us about one of these yes. really interesting studies that was done that shows what what the costs actually are associated with this company. Yeah. So decades ago, psychiatrist Thomas Holmes and Richard Ray uh, once scoured the medical history of thousands of people. It was the first day. It was a medical uh, research, but okay. it turned into much, much more. Uh, their goal was um, hoping to answer the question is whether stress might be linked to illness. And mm. you and I both know it can be. We now know, yeah, okay, that's yeah. true. So in 1967, over 50 years ago, these two doctors published their results as, and here's what they call it, the Social Readjustment Rating Scale the social readjustment rating scale. Their findings include links between life changes, stress levels, and sickness. Uh, And they looked at shifts in our lives. So actually, they started using the term life change units. Whenever you're going through uh, your life and you experience significant change, it could be a move to a new town, a breakup with a girlfriend, a divorce in the family, a terrible illness, any one of those. And by the way, it can be positive changes as well as negative. Change itself can bring stress, Mm. and that can cause us to um, not manage our emotions well. Can I just say it that way? Yeah. So again, family separation, uh, adjustment in personal routines where the habits change, change in financial state, um, uh, school transitions, et cetera. So Holmes and Ray report that all adjustments in our lives do cause a level of stress. Hmm. The level of stress parallels both the significance of each event and each person's adaptability. So it can be your personality that's a factor. 
Are you a chill person? You're, I see you as a very chill person. You probably take changes fairly easy. Is that, am I accurate with that? I think that's true, yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. But others that are wound really, really tight, as you well know, and yeah. we got some on our team, it's harder for them. Yeah. So personality, but then also just, what was the significance? Was it a small change or a big change? Yes. Okay. So I'm going through a big one right now with my dad's health. He's 90 this year, and he's not in the same shape he was even a couple of months ago. And mm. it's, I can tell I'm not sleeping as much because I'm just concerned for my dad. So those are the kinds of things we're exactly. talking about. Yeah. That's, so That's good. Yeah. So in a recent study uh, with a functional MRI, fMRI, um, researchers found that the same brain networks light up when, you, when you're burned with hot coffee and it's physical pain, and when someone you love leaves you. So huh. that would be emotional pain. Yeah. So the same uh, parts of the brain light up physical pain, emotional pain. Isn't that interesting? It is. So you say, boy, that was painful. It can be just as painful when it's an internal pain when something horrible happens. Mm. I'm, I'm just intrigued by that. Uh, that is to say there's no categor- categorical difference between physical and emotional pain in the brain. Uh, So the University of Michigan's Ethan Cross, uh, a PhD, says, and I'm going to quote him, heartache and painful breakups are more than just metaphors. If we don't address the pain of our past, we may not have peace in the present. I love that. I love that. If we don't address the pain of our past, we may not have peace in the present. And this is all acknowledging that... uh, Having baggage in your life, and it's important, especially for young kids, yeah, to remember yeah. this. Having baggage in your life doesn't mean you've done something wrong, right? Right. We can feel uh, emotional weight, emotional mm-hmm. pain as a result of things that are completely yes. outside of yeah. our control. But what we have to acknowledge is that there's a cost for those things, yeah. whether or not it was our fault that they ended that's up right. there. And that's really what we're trying to to get at. You know, if there's a young person that you know and they say, "Oh, I'm totally fine," but you know there's some stuff going on in their personal yeah. life, something going on with mom and dad, maybe somebody lost a job, maybe there's a divorce going on, whatever it is, you can automatically assume, in fact, it's very safe to assume that baggage is being built in that time, whether or not that student has the emotional uh, intelligence and security to be able to recognize that the baggage exists. And this is part of why this is so important. It is. And I would just give one quick illustration. I remember when I was in high school, my older sister was two years older than me, still is, Uh, but... um, (laughs) We moved from Cincinnati, Ohio, and Skyline, Chile, to San Diego, California. Beaches, mountains, it was beautiful. So while we all look forward to this, I'm a sophomore, so the move was relatively easy for me. I had friends, but I was going to spend most of my high school. You had years to make new ones, yeah. Lisa was in her senior year of high school. Can you imagine? Mm. Halfway through your senior year, you're moving, and... You know, there's senior prom, there's graduation, and now you're in a whole nother network. It was different. She didn't blame mom and dad for it. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't a a bad thing that they did, a bad decision they made. It was a decision, though. Mm -hmm. So we need to realize what what we're saying. We're not saying blame somebody or get mad at mom and dad or Uncle Harry. We're just saying these changes um, can happen. Even good changes can have consequences. that's right. Absolutely. So, Andrew, I thought it might be wise to, real quick, before we move on to the second metaphor... For us to just talk about how this shows up in our I young think that people, would be in awesome. our teens. Yeah. So if you're spotting symptoms in a teenager or maybe a whole classroom of teenagers, yeah. and you see symptoms like um, that student is overcompensating for something, they, they, you feel like they're overdoing it. They're yeah. overspeaking, overcompensating. Um, or, or maybe they have emotional highs and lows. I would imagine there's a few of 
those folks yeah. out there. It yeah. almost looks bipolar. Maybe not as that disorder, but it yeah. looks woo really high, really low. Yeah, um, they're probably feeling insecure, and that so- the source of that is we all have an innate need to belong. And if yeah. we feel like we don't, my sister did not feel like she she felt like she belonged in her senior year. Absolutely, the year you think you most belong, you're at the top of the totem pole. Exactly, and now she was this new kid on the block. Exactly, so huge. Uh, so here's another one. Um, we all have an innate need for worth. We need to feel self-worth. So if you start seeing common symptoms like uh, over-comp- over-competitiveness, uh-huh. just competing on everything, like everything they do, they're trying to beat somebody. Again, you think, oh my gosh, this yeah. is, you don't have to beat people eating your meal. You don't have to beat people you know, with, with everything. Uh, self-doubt, that can be a symptom. The need for recognition, mm. maybe more than usual. Um, I think that can be ca- that can ca- be caused by a feeling of inferiority, mm. and again, that goes back to I need to feel like I'm worth something. For me, I remember when I got cut from the high school basketball team one year. It was mm-hmm. really hard. My mom and one of my teachers said, "Don't forget how good you are in graphic design." Yeah, and and that was helpful. Now it wasn't cheesy or corny. They just said, "Get your eyes off what you just didn't do well. You got to focus on." Yep. A central gift that you have that's better than you the have value thing. to offer to yes, the world. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Here's another one. So a third set of symptoms might be they're constantly comparing themselves with specific people. And often, have you noticed we compare our worst features to someone else's best features? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a defensive attitude. Maybe they're always defensive whenever you call something out on them. That may be uh, a, a feeling of inadequacy which we all feel at one point or another. Absolutely. And that's the innate need of competence. We need to feel like we're competent at something. Good at something, yeah. Yes, good at something, yeah. And then lastly, um, purpose. I just believe there is an innate uh, sense of I need to have a purpose for my life. And I'm not trying to get over-spiritualized on this, but we just need to feel like there is a purpose besides just generating income and one day buying a house and Mm -hmm. having 2.5 kids, you know, that sort of thing. So if, if, if that inward need is not met, we feel in, insignificant, and that will show up in symptoms like compulsive, driven spirit, uh, sometimes defeat and depression. Yeah. But again, there's outward symptoms of inward needs that are not being met. Absolutely. So if you're one of those who's leading young people, remember when you see some of these things that students need to feel belonging, they need to feel worth, they need to feel competence, they need to feel purpose. Um, and this is, these are things that we, as their leaders, parents, educators, coaches, we can provide those things to them, yeah. right? And so looking, keeping an eye out for the baggage and the symptoms of that baggage showing up can maybe trigger for you to make sure that you're yeah. covering these topics. So Absolutely. Love that. Well, uh, that was one, uh, baggage fees. Let's jump into the second one. I know we're, we're kind of short yes. on time, so we yeah. need to keep we'll it make moving. This quick. Let's do it. So the second habitude uh, or the second image is um, called chess and checkers. And really, it's it's a real simple concept, but it's a profound one if you start yes. practicing with others. So the first one is about looking inside and reading yourself. The second one's really about reading others. So leaders listening in, um, you know the game of chess and the game of checkers both have the very same game board. Yes. So at first glance, you might be tempted to think, oh, it must be the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just uh, did this talk about chess and checkers with people from Europe. They're familiar with chess, not so much with checkers. <laughs> but if you are familiar with both games, here's the deal. When you play the game of checkers, it's much simpler. All your pieces look alike. They all move alike. They're the same color, the same shape, the same size. So you treat them all alike. But when you play the game of chess, 
oh my gosh, there's no way you can win unless you know the strength of each piece. That a, that a bishop does this, and a knight does that, and a pawn, and a rook, and a king, and a queen. Only in knowing the strength of each piece can you win. Mm-hmm. I believe this is a great leadership nugget. I think effective leaders play chess with their people. Mm. They read them before they lead them. I think uh, ineffective leaders, mediocre leaders, can I say it that way? Play checkers. They treat them all alike and they get average performance. Mm. How many teachers in a classroom are just so exhausted that they're just playing checkers in that class? Yep. The rules have to be fair. Everybody's treated the same, but that's not going to bring out the best. You've got to play chess. Now, here's why we don't. Chess takes longer to play than checkers. A little more complicated. And it's harder to play than checkers. Yeah. That's exactly right. As a leader, it's harder to do both of these. So uh, I just feel like that's a wise leaders have learned to say, I'm going to put in the effort to play chess in the relationships of my life. Absolutely. So, so my illustration here is a fun one. It goes way back, uh, probably, probably 25 years, okay. but um, back... Two and a half decades ago, one of the leading names in athletics, and not just one sport, but two sports, was Bo Jackson. Remember Bo? Yes. Remember the slogan, Bo Knows? So Bo went to Auburn University, went on to play professional baseball, Major League Baseball, and in the NFL. So he was not bored. No, he was not. And he did quite well financially. (laughs) But um, the Bo Jackson story is a story of EQ on the part of his coaches. Mm. So bottom line, um, if you followed professional football, you know he went to to Auburn before he got drafted to the NFL. And when he went to Auburn, he actually was uh, recruited in a defensive position. Huh. Yeah. But that's not the position he's famous for. No, now. he isn't. But, and I'm sure he was fine. Yeah. In fact, he was probably, probably would have been good wherever he was. He was an athlete. Yeah, yeah he would have right. been probably pretty good. But um, as fate would have it, the two starting uh, tailbacks both got injured. And so they had others, but they just looked at Bo and said, so Coach Jack Crow, which was the running back coach, challenged Bo and said, Bo, I, I want you to play running back. I want you to, would you consider? He said, would you consider? And, you know, because he's a young adult, but he is an adult. And Bo said, I don't, I don't know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this, you know. And he said, no, I think it's in you. I think it's in you. And, of course, Jack Crow was playing chess. He mm-hmm. knew exactly what he saw. And, of course, Bo Jackson was probably the best running back Auburn has ever seen in their history. Yeah. And went on to play in the NFL, et cetera. So all I got to say is Bo was good at this position. He was great at that position. Yes. Thank God for a coach that played chess, not checkers. I love it. I love it. Well, there's a way that we can do this in the same way that we talked about looking for the practical uh, outcomes of baggage in a student's life. There's ways that we as their leaders can actually play chess. you got a a few steps you can walk us through. Yeah, I'll make this quick. But listeners, check this out. If you said, okay, I get it. I know that's true. How do I do that? Four, Four ideas. Number one. One, you need to know their strengths and weaknesses. I have found it can start with a simple Starbucks conversation where you just talk and you identify them, or they can take an assessment on it. But I think people are energized when they're in their strength zone, mm-hmm. and they're de-energized when they're not when they're in a weak area. We're, we're just the worst version of ourselves. Absolutely, we're working in weaknesses. Number two, triggers. I think every human being has a trigger inside of them. By that, I simply mean that when you do this to them or with them. Uh, or for them, they're just triggered to be motivated. They're impassioned. They're moved by it. Uh, some of you are parents. You're listening. Where is that for my son? Where is that for my daughter right now to make their bed? But um, those triggers are simply, it might be spending time with them. It might be just words of affirmation. Yes. It, it might be just giving them a gift or, or, or even just writing a note to them. Uh, those kinds of things, if you want to know what they are, they could keep people going for a month. Yeah, and we know about negative triggers in our yes, culture today, but we so need to true. remember that there are positive triggers as well. That's a great point. Yeah, 
we're always worried about trigger. I want to trigger them to do the right thing. But do it in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So the third way you play chess instead of checkers is it's just understanding their personality. So whether you favor the Myers-Briggs temperament indicator or the DISC profile or whatever, Enneagram, I believe it's important to say, ah, oh, I understand that person's a seven or I understand that person's a choleric, or mm-hmm. I understand that person's a high D with little I, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. That's just important because people are going to be moved differently based on their temperaments. Absolutely. And then the last one is learning style. If one of the jobs of the leader is to train people to do something, wouldn't you think we ought to learn how they learn? Mm. So it's learning, are they are they doers? Are they, are they analyzers? Are they... Um, are they people that say, I just need to watch you do it and then I'll learn? I, I think we need to pick up on how they learn. So those are the ways we play chess instead of checkers. Absolutely. Well, we've talked about uh, these being really good metaphors you could use re- with your students, but the question is, how might you use these metaphors? We have a really simple yes. acronym that I thought maybe we I could walk them this. through. I want you to do this. Yeah, share that yeah, with Yeah. Um, I'll just do this very, very quickly so you get an idea. We call it rolling the dice. So if you want to have a great conversation utilizing an image and a metaphor, here's how you do it. The first letter D in rolling the dice is dilemma meaning that you're setting up the problem that we're solving with this uh, metaphor. So one example might be if I was going to talk about chess and checkers, I might share a story of a major miscommunication that happened in my past and talk about how I thought I was communicating this, but the other person heard this. And I realized it's because that person was different from me. And then I can ask a really great question. You know, Have you ever been in this situation where you thought you were saying something, they heard something different, and you realized how different you were from that person? That's a dilemma I think that we all face and a really great example of how you might do that. The next letter in dice is I, uh, and I stands for image. This is where you would explain the metaphor. So you talk about the image, you maybe tell a story like one of the ones you just shared, yeah. uh, but the idea is to explain the concept to them. You then want that to roll into the next letter, C is conversation. Yep. Ask really great questions and let them talk. We always do our questions in a they, we, me format. Yeah. So if you throw a personal question at them, are, are you good at playing chess yeah. uh, and not checkers? Yeah. Uh, you're probably not going to get a lot of responses. But if you talk about other people first, yeah. then maybe our community and then uh, yeah. the student themselves, they'll be a little bit more comfortable answering that One thing that I question. like about this, Andrew, is pictures are worth... A thousand, a thousand words. words. Yeah. So the conversation is naturally going to follow the image if Absolutely. we don't over-talk yep. and we just let it happen. Yeah, wet their appetite yeah. and then ask some really good questions. And the final letter, E, uh, is experience. Um, I think every student will not fully uh, learn what this is really about yeah. until they get a chance to experience it for themselves. So you can do something, say if you're doing chess and checkers, you could talk about, hey, let's all take a personality test together, yeah. share our results with one another mm-hmm. one by one. Or maybe if you're doing baggage fees, you can have somebody share their story, right? Take a moment and just talk about things that have happened to them. But finding a way to turn it away from just uh, didactic information passed down from the teacher into an experience where the student is involved, I think is really crucial. So dilemma, image, conversation, experience. It's a really simple way to do it. Andrew, I was teaching a group of high school students just a couple of years ago, and I remember baggage fees was one of the habitude images I Mm -hmm. taught. And so my teaching wasn't necessarily brilliant. But I remember in this class, uh, and it was about 70 students, one of the young men who I had really connected with, we had talked during the break, and we really liked each other. Uh, I was old enough to be his dad, but we really, really were enjoying conversation. As he heard me teach habit, uh, this baggage fees, he just got up and ran out of the room. Mm. And I thought, 
is he going to the restroom or is something wrong? Yeah. Well, I went after the teaching was over. He was just in tears. That whole thing had just triggered in his mind, I've got to sort things out with my father. Mm. And But that sparked a great conversation where we began to talk about how he could and what would be some steps he could take. So this can be emotional. Yeah. This is not lightweight, you know, four plus four is eight. But boy, did this can this be lead in to just health and growth in the future. Absolutely. Well, we know emotional intelligence is obviously deeply important. This is a great month to talk about it. But we also need to remember why it's important. And, yeah. it's, and, and in doing so, we are going to end up thinking about the individual lives of the students that we're impacting every day and how their trajectory of their life could be different if yeah. they had these emotional intelligence skills yeah. in them. And I know you and I were talking about a story yes. you heard uh, that I'd love for you to share. Yeah, let me just share this briefly, and then um, you could just process it, listeners. So Chanel Vasquez, her story is a miracle. Uh, she grew up in a a very dysfunctional home, that's probably an understatement, yeah. where her mom and dad were both victims of substance abuse, and they were addicted to bad decisions as well as drugs. Um, Chanel took care of her two younger siblings, like that often happens in a home like yeah. this. Uh, but she stayed in survival mode as the family moved several times after getting evicted from rentals over and over and over again. They moved to different states even. Uh, no baths or showers for days. So you can imagine that mm. probably caused bullying in the school as they yeah. went in smelling horrible. Uh, she used socks instead of Band-Aids when her siblings got injured. The kids would even share top ramen noodle packets, which aren't big yeah. in the first place for one guy or yeah. one gal, but certainly not for three. And ultimately, her dad left the family and her mom passed away. So she, they were homeless and without parents. So Chanel assumed, now you can imagine, if this is all you've seen, she just assumes this is how life is. This huh. Life is normal. Yeah. It's, it's hard, and then you die, you know? But um, it was an observant educator. You hear me, listeners? Yeah. It was an observant educator and a, and a foster family who finally introduced her, Chanel, to healthy living. Uh, these tour guides launched a, a, a different narrative in her head. And Chanel said later, after three years of continuous grief and anger, I realized that I was doing the same thing my mom had done. I was in this cycle of grief and only living in the past. So the story goes on and on and on, but let me just summarize it this way. I've got a direct quote from Chanel that I think, listeners, you'll enjoy. She later summarized her new perspective uh, offered by her teachers and her new family this way. She said, I started loving myself. That's huge. I've grown closer to my dad and have made sure that to, uh, made sure to set a good example for my brother and my sister. Uh, I worked hard at school and became uh, dedicated to becoming better at everything in life. Recently, I finished high school in the top 10 of my graduating class. I'm the first person in my family to graduate high school. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, in addition, I was awarded a $50,000 scholarship to college where I went on to study um, how to, watch this, how to help people who suffer from alcoholism and addiction. Wow. Um, I want my legacy and that of my brother and sister to be different mm. than what I had seen in my past. Isn't that great? That is great. So this is what emotional intelligence growth can do. Obviously, she was an intelligent young lady. No doubt. It's yeah. what needed to get unlocked was the emotional intelligence, yeah. her learning to read herself, learning yeah. to read her brother and sister. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, obviously, we say this all the time, but what these students are capable of, if we're able to help them overcome the hurdle of missing emotion, emotional intelligence, which happens all too often in our world today, I think... Uh, what they might be capable of, what they might achieve, the success they might uh, come by could be 
uh, unbelievable. So that's what yeah. we're all about. Well, thanks so much for sharing this. We shared two of our habitudes. We have a whole bunch of them. And in fact, both of these habitudes show up in our social emotional learning program. Yeah. They also show in habitudes for connecting connecting with others. Yeah. So they're really fantastic Um images and conversations that you can have. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Habitudes, it's offered as a curriculum, which you can use in a, a, a virtual platform called Habitudes Online. Head on over to growingleaders.com, click on Habitudes. You'll learn all about it. In fact, you can even use it uh, for free. Uh, there's a free sample on there for, for you to use. So I do really encourage you to check that out. That might be just the tool you need to start teaching emotional intelligence, but you're using the power of an image, which we already know students uh, utilize images and stories every day anyway. So check that out, growingleaders.com. Click on Habitudes and you can find out more about that. Uh, Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars wherever you get your podcast. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. In fact, if this was helpful for you, feel free to share it with a friend. If you think somebody else needs to be focusing on Emotional Intelligence Month, this might be the perfect podcast to share with them. Um, We would love love it if we could connect with you on social media. If you want to follow us at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, we're pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, subject you want us to cover, people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Tim, thank you so much for leading us in this conversation today. Thank you guys for focusing on emotional intelligence during this important month, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.